0: Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local modern woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662 296 186 Let's make a difference together. Hotty Toddy and Go Rebs.
1: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Corey Keys, sitting the guest co-host chair. And today's guest on Talk of Champions is Marshall Henderson, former Ole Miss guard. And why is Marshall the guest? It's obvious. It's the SEC tournament week. One of the greatest memories in Ole Miss basketball history was the 2013 SEC tournament run. Full disclosure, Nick Williams was going to be the other guest on today's Talk of Champions. But because Marshall and I went a little long, Nick is going to be the guest on Thursday's Talk of Champions. So it's a basketball week on Talk of Champions, and that's why Corey is the first guest co-host. Hey, man, what's up? Man, like, How can I even
2: like measure up to that? Like, can. I, I'm the co yeah, exactly like the day Marshall Henderson is the co is the guest on the show. Like, I'm just here, like just going to try to help, like steer the plane, land the plane because there's nothing I can do.
1: Yeah, you can do plenty because basketball is your specialty. You're an assistant for AK. You know, this stuff. You can explain to me why the net rankings are the major barometer for the NCAA selection committee, all that kind of stuff. But first and foremost, what are you doing right now, man?
2: Buddy, you know, staying busy, uh, trying to watch as much basketball as I can. Um, it's actually it's funny. This is my favorite week of the year because I enjoy the conference tournaments because you get to see not necessarily the, just like, you know, everybody pays attention to the Cinderella teams by the time the tournament actually starts. But conference tournament week is where that all gets hashed out and you actually see where those conference tournaments take place and where some of those teams actually come from. So I think it's it's kind of cool. It's pretty much wall-to-wall basketball for the next couple of weeks. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman
1: representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement, savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does Modern Woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services, How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some moments basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger, Allen Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. Handicap the SEC tournament for me. Give me the team that could surprise win the tournament.
2: Oh, the surprise outside of the top three? Um, Yeah, because that's easy. It's easy to
1: say, oh, Kentucky or LSU or Tennessee. And, And Arkansas, with its draw, make its well, way to
2: the tournament championship yeah, I, I mean arkansas playing well I, they looked kind of dead to rights a few weeks ago um and they've kind of turned it around and part of that was spurred you know a close win against ole miss they i think before they beat ole miss they should have beaten kentucky and Rupp. i think those were the two games they played that week and um they're playing well right now um they certainly have a shot i think um i mean you kind of have to look i I think Mississippi State is kind of a dark horse, uh, given who they've got, given what they've got. Now, they still don't have Nick Weatherspoon. He's out indefinitely. Um, that's kind of a team I think keep your eye on. Um, I would say maybe Auburn, because uh, they're a team I didn't, even, I didn't like all year, and metrics love them.
1: Yeah, it didn't do anything for me as far as the eye test is concerned, and mm-hmm. yet you look at their analytics and their metrics in which they're measured by, this is a good team, they just didn't impress me at all.
2: Sure, no, that's the same way. And we're not the only ones. Like, I listened to I listened to Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander's college basketball podcast. And I'm like they were talking about the same thing last week. And I it was kind of reassuring because I was like, man, I thought the same thing. And yet they kind of spurred at the end of the year, had a couple wins in a row that solidified their spot because their resume was kind of shaky until about the last two weeks of the season. Um, I would say outside of the top three, I would say Auburn, quite frankly, a team like Ole Miss could make a run, especially a team that's kind of that is as streaky as this Ole Miss team has been. Um, and then, you know, there's the two teams that are desperate right now, Alabama and Florida. Um, do they lay flat the way Alabama has lately and the way Florida has lately? Um, or do they kind of catch a hot run when they need it the most? So I, I think there's storylines at this tournament, especially for a league that, you know, the past couple of years has been on the up and up. Um, and even having said that they've got two teams that like, we they had a team in the SEC go 0 and 18 this year, which is kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around.
1: You could give me two scenarios. You could say, Oh, miss is going to lose its first round game, second round, whatever it is, to Alabama. Or you could tell me they're gonna beat Alabama and then turn around and beat Kentucky, and neither one of those scenarios would surprise
2: me. No, no, I, I think it's I think you can go any which direction because, you know, we remember this is an Alabama team that that smacked Ole Miss in the regular season. Now granted that game was in Tuscaloosa. This is on a neutral floor. Alabama's not playing well. Frankly, Ole Miss isn't playing their best ball either. Um, they had lost, what, four out of five before they were able to hang on at Missouri on Saturday, um, which was all they needed to do in that game. They just had to win it. Um, so they got to a point where they can breathe a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those deals where it depends which Alabama team's going to show up. If Alabama's engaged, um, if they... If they play, if they try to replicate what they did when these two teams played in Tuscaloosa, it's going to be tough for Ole Miss. Now, if Ole Miss is able to right those wrongs, is able to have some physicality inside, is able to stay out of foul trouble with their guards like Terrence Davis, then Ole Miss can certainly, I could see Ole Miss winning this game by double figures. Um, This is why I stay away from gambling, Ben, because so much of these things to me, I I can play out scenarios in my head and they all make plausible sense. What's the most surprising thing to you about this Ole Miss team to get to 20 wins? I think the cohesiveness of the team. Um, I, we talked about this for people, like we talk off the, off of off the air a lot, like for people that don't know. Uh, and we talked before the year, you know, what we kind of expected out of this team, what we thought the roster was going to look like, who we think was going to have to step up, things like that, things that anybody would talk about. And I do remember that, you know, I thought this Ole Miss team was going to be better than people thought they were going to be. I thought they would be better than last in the league. Yeah, I thought they'd probably, I thought they'd be probably a ninth, ninth or 10th. That's kind of where I thought they'd be. I didn't think they'd be an NCAA tournament team, and I don't think anybody did. Um, so I'm as surprised as anybody on that. Um, I think it's been the buy-in for sure because a lot of times when you get a first-year coach, as long as the talent level isn't completely at the bottom of the barrel, because that's typically what happens when coaches take over. They're taking over when the coverage bare, um, which is what you've seen before in, in other sports. Football, basketball, doesn't matter. Well, we know that this team had some talent on it. Um, we talked about that last year. Andy Kennedy would tell you that. Um, but this team, they bought in a lot of times you, you get a new coach in says all the right things and kids, if they buy into it, you typically see teams pretty much outpace what expectations were. And it goes back to what I was saying. I thought they would be better than a bottom four team. I didn't think they'd be this. Um, I think they've shown resiliency. I think those kids have basically, it's amazing what happens. When kids don't have to play with a cloud hanging over their head, you know the potential for their coach to get fired at the end of the year uh, based on their performance. Um, these kids have been able to play carefree, man, and I think that's huge. And I think that goes back to the mindset that's in the building every day of practice, uh, in the games. And I think that's really where it goes. You know, and you've got kids that have been emotional players, Terrence Davis, Brian and Tyree that have been really good this year. Um, not to mention a sophomore, Devontae Schuler, who's been really good this year. You know, you get three all SEC guards, you got a chance. And that's why this team is where it is right now.
1: Andy Kennedy said it, you said it, I said it. Anybody involved with Ole Miss Basketball for the last five years said it. When Andy stepped down, everyone agreed, including Andy, that it was time for a new voice, that it was time to go on to the next chapter, whatever it might be. But there were still three all-league guards on this roster. Now, mm-hmm. the greatest recruiting job Kermit Davis did was not landing KJ and was not landing Blake Henson. It was making sure that Devontae Shuler came back. It was an easier yep. sell for Terrence Davis. It was yep. an easier, easier sell for Brian Tyree. But Devontae is the glue of this entire team. And I think the greatest move that Kermit did in this whole very short rebuild was putting Schuler Shuler point guard. Not many people saw him as a lead guard. I had coaches on the staff early in the year before the year started preseason saying I don't know. I don't know if Devonte can play the point point." and yet he's done a really good job of not turning the ball over of getting the offense in and out of its sets defensively a bulldog on ball defender but that to me is the greatest catalyst of this whole thing first keeping him there and then secondly turning him into a point guard. It changed the entire roster.
2: Well, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's allowed Brian Tyree to be a, a scorer off the ball. Um, Terrence Davis is what he is. We, you, you know, He was a, a rising senior coming into this, so you kind of knew what he was. Um, he didn't have a great junior year after he had a breakout sophomore year, um, and he's been able to bounce back from that junior year to basically the same level, if not a little better, as a senior. So you knew what you had there initially, and you know, Terrence Davis has already been all league. I would imagine when they announce the awards, Brian Tyree is going to get all league. Um, at this rate, Devontae Schuler's is going to be all league going forward, too. Uh, you know, you, as long as you've got those guys, you got a chance. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's it. you're exactly right in the sense that he had to do a recruiting job of his own players, which is so often what happens when new coaches take over. They gotta and those players him. usually leave. No, they do. They absolutely do, which, and quite frankly, you and I talked, there was a strong suspicion that at least two of those three were going to go.
1: Yeah, Devontae was out the door. I know that yeah. for a fact.
2: Yeah. No, and, and that's – it's a huge thing. Again, it tells you what what he was able to say and get those kids to buy in. And once you get that group to buy in, because this is a, a kind of a coaching cliche, but I truly do believe this, you're only as good as the chemistry that's, that's left by your best players because here's the truth. The kids don't listen to the guy at the end of the bench. And that, that's no snark on that guy. But they're listening to the guys that are out there leading the team on the floor, the guys that are going out there making the tough plays, making huge plays. If those guys are your leaders, you're going to have a good team or you're going to have a team that's going to get fill up, up to its potential, right? Well, they've gotten that. The guys that have led this team have been these three guards. That's why you're seeing this team get where they are no matter how. they got, Look, they had a stretch where they got ranked and then they lost five out of six. And then they lost four out of five between the loss on Saturday. They very easily, I think there were definitely some times where this thing was kind of teetering one way or the other, and they were able to save that both times. And again, that speaks to resiliency, and that speaks to, look, quite frankly now, I think Kermit Davis is going to get coach of the year. I thought before the Will Wade news it, broke. Will was probably mid-week. the guy.
1: Yeah, but right. he, Kermit I, has I thought, to get it now.
2: He has I, to get I completely it. agreed. I thought I would have gone 50-50 on Will Wade, Kermit Davis, before that news broke. And I would have been cool with either one. Now, you know as well as I do, the league ain't going to let Will Wade get that award now. So, this thing is as, should be as good as Kermit Davis it should, but you could see some dark horse John Calipari in there. You could see Rick Barnes in there. Who knows? It should be Kermit Davis.
1: That was my whole thing. I was asked, oh, he's the coach of the year, right? And I wrote about it because I do a 247 after every single game, right? 2,000 words. It was the stupidest thing I could do because it drives me crazy, but <laughs> 2,000 words after every single game and in the 247, I think, a week ago, I said Kermit Davis is the SEC coach of the year. Now, Will Wade is the main competition, and there's some sneaky Rick Barnes in there, but then Tennessee started to lose a little bit, whatever. Mm-hmm. At this point, it's Kermit Davis's award. And even if Will Wade doesn't get caught in a wiretap and the FBI report uh, from Yahoo comes out, Will Wade and Kermit Davis is a lot tougher argument than any Ole Miss fan or LSU fan would want to give credence to it. Like, mm-hmm. that was going to be a tough argument one way or the other because you can very legitimately give both of those guys marks for a number of different things. But now Mm -hmm. to have one of the best turnarounds in college basketball, to secure the NCAA tournament before the SEC tournament with this team coming off of 12 wins, he's got to get the award. Terrence Davis was huge in keeping Devontae Shuler here. And if Terrence Davis decides when he tests the NBA waters, I'm going to come out, Devontae's not here, and everything changes. But because Terrence came back, like you mentioned, they don't listen to kids at the end of the bench. They listen to the ones at the front of the bench, and that includes Terrence Davis. That coming back to me was the trigger and what made sure that Devontae came in because T- Terrence Davis recruited Devonte just as much as Kermit Davis did. If that does not happen, if Terrence Davis doesn't buy in, he bought in day one, who knows? But oh, keeping him here kept Devontae here in many ways.
2: Well, 100% because it lets a kid like Devontae look and say, hey, man, this is an all-SEC guard that yeah. I look up to. He's staying. Well, why shouldn't I stay? Uh, there's so much goes into that, man. Like, the chemistry is that thing that you can't really quantify, um, and people talk about it. You like know. in
1: baseball, I roll my eyes at it. I do. Yeah, 100%. But in basketball, I don't.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Like, and I hate it too. Like, when we in baseball, which I'm, it, it probably matters more than I'm willing to emotionally do yeah, yeah, baseball yeah. because we're both because we're both irrational Braves fans. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, but in basketball, especially, man, you only got 13 scholarship kids, and sometimes you don't even fill those 13. So there's precious few. You can't have wasted bodies. It's a hard thing to do in college basketball. You have to be able to manage that. And quite frankly, when you were able to have those two guys come back, you know, this is kind of. I was talking about this yesterday with somebody who two people actually that you also know we were talking, you know, I, this, la- this is what the staff last year thought they were going to have. You know, they had this core roster plus Deandre Burnett. Yeah. Plus but Bruce Arshel couldn't guard Crawford. a corpse. Exactly. And so, so much changed to where they were able to say, okay, we've got this core. Now we got to build around it. And frankly, the two that have made the biggest impact are KJ Buffin and uh, Blake Henson. And, Blake Henson was kind of a known commodity when he came out uh, he was a legitimate kid when they signed him nobody knew much about KJ Buffin. I saw KJ Buffin play it probably a dozen times in high school at AAU I saw him play a state championship game for Gainesville High School uh, I did not think he was a high major player as a freshman I thought he was mid plus I thought middle Tennessee was a perfect level for him and let's be completely real about this if Kermit Davis doesn't get the old Miss job K.J. Buffin just played a year at Middle Tennessee yeah. that's what would have happened yeah. and here's the here's the reality well if
1: that. Kermit Davis doesn't get the job Mike White's
2: your head coach too and that's a whole different conversation oh yeah yeah oh exactly and so what K.J. Buffin has been able to give them now, I thought he could be this by the time he was a junior. After seeing him play a dozen times, Ben, I thought he could be this as a junior. As a freshman, what he was been able to give them, um, that's been huge. Uh, what Blake Henson's been able to do has been huge. Um, and then you kind of fill that out. If you get games from Bruce Stevens, who's coming on strong lately, there's been games where Dominic Olenicek has been good for them. Um, the pieces were there. It was all about having those pieces buy in and gel, and they've been able to do that this year.
1: So much had to go right to make this yeah. happen. Oh, that's a fact. Devontae had to stick at point guard. TD had to rediscover that sophomore season form. Brienne had to take that next step as a scorer. Bruce Stevens not only bringing some offense in the post, but defensively at some point you have to show something. The last two weeks have been his best defense he's had at Ole Miss in his entire two-year career. It's not even Mm -hmm. close. And then Dom, can you get anything out of him as far as consistency? Now Dom's been terrible for a month and a half. But up until that point – He'd given him a little bit of offense, still not rebounding to his size, but he's hedging ball screens. He hedges ball screens better than guys half his size. <laughs> I mean, he, he can really hedge a ball screen, and there's value in that, but you got to get sure. some value out of him. And then K.J. and Blake both have to make impacts. Now, Blake has hit the freshman wall, even though Kermit Davis rolls his eyes at that declaration, the freshman wall. But he's hit mm-hmm. the freshman wall. K.J. Buffett has a game that really after he hit it for about a couple of games – came out of it because he does other things well, like he's the best two-handed rebounder that they have. All of these things, though, had to go right to be able to get to the point to where now you're in the NCAA tournament. But it's fascinating to me to look at the metrics and look at all the teams that are on the bubble, like Florida, like Alabama. Alabama's got, what, 14 losses on the year? And yet Alabama, making a run in the SEC tournament, could make the NCAA tournament based on the NCAA net. These are teams that would be nowhere near the bubble in years past. What has changed as far as selection of teams that have allowed a 17, 18, 19 win team to be firmly in or at least well within the bubble conversation? It used to not be this way.
2: Yeah, well, see, so the net is more of a, is a, is not a compiler metric the way RPI was. RPI, you know, if you remember, weighed your opponent's wins and losses more than your own it was like 25% your own wins and losses 50% your opponents wins and losses and then 25% your opponents opponents wins and losses that's literally how the rpi was was calculated which made little to no sense so what they've gone with the net it's more analytically driven with efficiency metrics in there similar to what ken pom who which i've been on about for years but that's how yeah. it, that's basically what Net is trying to combine certain elements of that into it. Yeah, I mean um, look I, I use your Kinpom account so yeah. I mean, like, yeah, ha- have right at it exactly. And so that to me is is what's changed. If for people that don't know, that's that's the difference in in how and how the metrics are, compi- are are compiled now. But it helps. You know, they've got this year which we've been talking about and I'm sure you've talked about how this year's bubble is historically bad. And I roll my eyes if people who say the bubble's bad. I Take mean, that.
1: Joe Lenardi, when he was on this podcast, said, oh, it's like any other year, the bubble's bad, the bubble's bad, the bubble's bad, the bubble's not bad. I'm like, ah, Right, right. And, then,
2: and, then you, and then you keep going, and there's literally people who have compiled this and said this is an abnormally bad year for bubble teams. And that's why we're talking about a lot of mid-majors and low-majors that have chances to be at-larges. Um, so for a team like this Ole Miss team that's in the 40s in Kempom, is safely in when in years past they wouldn't have been uh, because the past two times they've made the NCAA tournament I think it was in 2015 when they or excuse me 2013 when the SEC tournament they were 39 coming out of the SEC tournament they were 43 coming out of the SEC tournament when they made it um, in 2015 I believe it was uh, so they now you know they sit at 43 just like that team um, in 2015 did. So, you know, they've, they've got a shot. They've they they, they they've got the opportunity to make a run with this. And it's all going to come down to where that seating goes. Now, what do they get? How many bid thieves are there? Does that bump I mean, them?
1: hell, right now, Palm has them as an 8 and Joe Linardi has them as a 9. That's not that's just what, in. That's like safely exa- in.
2: Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Do they do, do bid thieves? So this is where championship week comes into play. Do bid thieves bump them from an 8 to a 9 or a 9 to a 10? That's the kind of stuff we have to watch here. And that's what Ole Miss is playing for right now. So, again, there's obviously value in winning, but especially at this particular SEC tournament, it's affecting Ole Miss's seed line at this point.
1: I don't like to look back on stuff. Andy Kennedy, like I mentioned, he's one that said it was time for a change. We all agreed with it. Everyone is on the same page there. But I was looking at the 2013 team's resume. They go into the SEC tournament needing to win games, and they won the tournament made sure they got in there. Now, the NCAA selection committee came out after Ole Miss gets in and says, oh, they didn't have to beat Florida on Championship Sunday to get in. We had them in anyway. Still, Mm -hmm. Ole Miss took control of its own destiny. That team coming out of the regular season had 12 SEC wins and I think 22 or 23 overall wins, and yet even in winning the SEC tournament, finished as a 12, the new net rankings – now, granted – Ole Miss has no bad losses this year, no sub-100 losses, and that's the, probably the biggest strength of their resume. But right. that team had some bad losses, yet they were nowhere near the bubble even going into the SEC tournament. And I think of the Tariko year when Tariko went off against Memphis in the NIT, makes the ill-advised decision to go pro, the first year of Andy Kennedy – These new net rankings would have boosted old Missus postseason resume, and very well would have gotten I don't know one or two more NCAA tournament appearances. And this whole year doesn't happen because Andy Kennedy's probably still here. (laughs) Everyone thought that the change. Yeah, we're just talking hypotheticals. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. no doubt.
2: And yeah, I had somebody tweet that to me the other day, and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe they're right. And it's that's the part that's kind of the cruel irony in all this is the year the Andy Kennedy's teams were were perpetually on the bubble. That turned out to be his biggest strength and his biggest weakness. Yeah, he always
1: had some bad losses. We'd always joke about it when we talk about it. It was always like that loss at Mississippi State in 2013. They won eight of their last ten, and yet you look at it, and one of them's at Mississippi State when Mississippi State was terrible.
2: Yeah, like the cruel irony of the whole thing is his teams were perpetually on the bubble, and the year that the bubble is as bad as it's ever been, he's not in coaching. And so you're just kind of like, well, damn. And so you do wonder how many more teams, if if the metric was different. Um, But again, you know, it's just like you said, and it's the thing I've said before. What this team has done is they have taken care of business when they needed to take care of it, when they needed to change momentum and get a W. They've gotten it both times when they needed that, following the 5 out of 6 um, losing spell and following this 4 out of 5 losing spell when they beat Missouri. they have. It's the same thing we, we've talked about before. They have no bad losses. That, to me, is an accomplishment in and of itself when their non-league schedule wasn't very good. Yeah, even they though they tried
1: to schedule really hard, in the non-con, it just didn't work out that way. Those teams yeah. ended up not being very
2: good. And they could have dropped some of those games, and they did. Like they went to Illinois State, could have dropped it, got a win. That you know, felt they,
1: like an Andy Kennedy loss. When you talk about these hypotheticals and stuff, it still doesn't take away from what he's done and how he's turned this team into a twenty-win team when no one expected it. Yeah, and no yet, question. They were preseason picked last in the SEC. Devontae Shuler becoming the point guard. All these things that had to go right, and that speaks to why not only was a change so important, but the fingerprints of Kermit Davis is all over this job. It's all over. And, and, and it's helped recruiting, too. You're seeing Ole Miss recruit a different caliber of player right now because Ole Miss has got some juice behind it. And they got really close with DJ Jeffries, and then he ends up staying at home in Memphis. But now you see Jamin Breakfield out there, Kadim sign, all these top-ranked players that all these other schools want, and Ole Miss is in on every single one of these, those kids because Kermit Davis is a fresh voice, because Ole Miss is winning, and he's winning with the team that wasn't expected to
2: No. And again, that to me is, I mean, you said it, man, I I can't put it any better in the sense where he got those kids. He kept those kids on the roster and was able to get them to believe like, that's the type of stuff that, again, you can't really quantify it. You know, it's not worth, you can't say, Oh, well, that was worth 20 points or this was worth X amount of wins. He got kids to believe in his message, to believe in his voice and buy in. And that's why you've got a team sitting where they are to a team that, um, is in the NCAA tournament, barring some un- unforeseen issue, they're, they're in, um, and so they've got that opportunity, and that's really what you ask for. Because and it's it's similar to what I've I've talked some other people out about. Like, almost folks just need to enjoy this, you know, get there, see what happens, um, and go from there. Because now you can try to build, and now you can go forward. Um, because the foundation was built, and now you you now you've got the ability to take off and see where it takes you.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That's where I, I fall in the whole conversation. One, you can appreciate that Andy Kennedy poured everything he had in Ole Miss basketball and made it relevant and made it relevant every single year. And two, also, in the same breath, give Kermit Davis his due and know that he took it from a place to where, of where it was and is maybe taken it to an even yep. greater level. And it wouldn't have been done had he not put his fingerprints all over it. So the, that that debate needs to be over with, and yes – I agree. There could have been more NCAA tournament appearances. That takes nothing away from what this team has accomplished because it's remarkable no matter how you slice it. One player who had no problem being confident the minute he came in and was huge in Opus basketball becoming nationally <laughs> relevant – was Marshall Henderson, and Marshall joins us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-thru, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right on. Of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Chinese Pharmacy.com. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Yeah.
2: I know you know. Henderson. Goal. Oh my! From thirty-five feet, we're tied at seventy-eight, heading to overtime.
3: Feels good because all the haters out there. You know we're the champions I guess that's just a shout out you know all the all the other coaches out here are, you know gonna lose us
2: <laughs> oh can you tell how he's feeling
0: <laughs> the crowd messing with Henderson a little bit before the game he shrug it off
2: Henderson again he's got it that's three
3: three shout out to Doug Gottlieb you know he had a little tweet last night said it's a travesty if we get in the tournament <laughs> 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 Take
0: everything you say with a grain of
1: salt. Man. Going now to the Chinese Pharmacy phone line to speak to Marshall Henderson. He needs no introduction. The NCAA tournament coming up, the SEC tournament, and both of those things synonymous with Marshall Henderson at Ole Miss. Marshall, man, what's up?
3: Right, what's up, Ben? Just out here in Dallas right now watching some of these tournament games, getting prepared for the SEC tournament coming up, trying to get in the big three. Um, agents talked to Clyde Drexler and uh, a little bit and tried to get in there. And it was funny, the first time that I talked to them, you know, the, the main thing with me is I, they know that I can bring a crowd, you know, that I, I have a kind of a, I have a name, you know, and so that's really one of the big things about getting into the big three. And so they go, the my agent called me back uh, after like the first time, and he was like, well, you know, they're really interested in you, but they want to get some bigger names. And I was like, what do you mean bigger names? And the next day, they signed Gilbert Arenas and Kendrick Perkins. And I was like, ah, okay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the uh, – so, looking to do that. They, uh, last week, um, my church here, we uh, – our church um, with uh, Hearst, the city police department, and, and uh, Nancy Lieberman, she has a, a big charity. They and uh, Nancy was also one of my coaches on the Kings. We had a big thing. Uh, we like dedicated a court and put a nice basketball court in this uh, kind of by this school in the little lower economic area uh, where we live. And so she was a coach of the championship team last year. So, you know, I had to hit her up and I was like, hey, coach, come on now. You know, I need a spot. So uh, she was like, yeah, just be in contact, you know, some stuff. And so we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, if that doesn't happen, I've been preparing to into the maybe the world of coaching. I don't know. But I know that, uh, you know, there's opportunities to be a grad assistant, which uh, is, uh, you know, a two year program. You get your master's paid for basically on scholarship. And so it's just one of those weird things of as I've gotten older, I didn't I mean, obviously, I graduated and got a degree, but I didn't take school serious at all. And I don't, like, regret that because I know I didn't care, you know. But uh, <laughs> now that I'm a little older and that this opportunity can present itself, I am more would be more interested in the education part, you know, be able to go in there and actually take it serious. And especially since it would be working towards a master's, which would be unbelievable uh, for me to achieve and, you know, do something like that. And so, uh, yeah, I just kind of figured all this stuff out here over the next month and uh, see what happens from there.
1: This is a big week, and I know it's for Ole Miss it used to be this was the week that they determined whether or not they got into NCAA tournament through the SEC tournament. This team, it looks like, won't have to do anything to get into the NCAA tournament. This time of year when the SEC tournament rolls around, do you kind of get hit with a sense of nostalgia and memory in terms of the run y'all made and how it still held up uh, extremely well and will hold up um, in Ole Miss history as far as the accomplishment is concerned?
3: Oh yeah, I mean it's it's impossible not to, uh, and and it was so great for us that we actually you know won the thing, um, and it was it was cool to kind of, I mean winning a championship is I always look at some of these teams that make the NCAA tournament but they don't win the conference championship you know they're just in on the uh that large bid and you know that's still a great accomplishment too but winning the championship just is at an you know you get a ring you get a fat ring and you get to go into history books of not only the school, but also the conference for, for the rest of ever. And, uh, I hope that or I mean, the Rebs have been great this year and they've, they've definitely achieved greater than what at least people predicted, you know, picked last in the conference. And so I hope, I hope that they, uh, understand what university they're playing for and if the, the the committee is probably going to try and keep all this out of the tournament, <laughs> as you know, the, the more I've been around, uh, Ole Miss, the more I realize that it's not easy for us ever. So I hope these guys go in there with the same mentality, uh, you know, that we had where we had to win a game and then, you know, we, we had to beat Missouri and then, Oh, whoops, Vanderbilt upsets Kentucky. Oh, wait, we cannot have this bad loss, you know, against Vanderbilt get to the championship, well, we might as well just win it and remove all doubt. And so I hope that these guys go in there with that mentality. And also, too, I hope they beat Alabama because I don't want Alabama to make the NCAA tournament. (laughs) There's a couple other mid-majors that I think are more deserving, like uh, Belmont, you know, and I don't want to see a 15-loss team, but, you know, a team like Alabama could make a run. And so I'm like, you know what, how about we just knock them out you know, in this first game and uh see what we can do. And we owe Kentucky one after that last game. So uh think I think they'll be ready though.
1: So you're like all the other other Ole Miss fans kinda of sitting on their edge of the seat at Missouri watching to see if Ole Miss had one of those We Are Ole Miss moments. If it was setting up that way. I mean they were down eight at halftime. Oh I think they were down God. ten or eleven in the yeah, second I mean, half. It's
3: just it's like you you expect it and that's what I I hate. <laughs> you know, it's like going in and you know, sitting there like, oh, we almost beat Tennessee. Oh, we almost beat Kentucky. And it's like, okay, so now we're going to go to Missouri. And, of course, it's going to be, like, the worst game ever to start. And, of course, we're losing. And I'm just sitting here like, no, no, no. This can't happen. It cannot happen this way. And so, you know, then, uh, you know, Tyree and Davis make some highlight real plays. Schuler slamming on them and able to get that last kick to get that win it was so refreshing you know to see a team get over the hump in, in a tough spot because there's so many teams right now that are on that bubble that didn't do that and for us to do that yeah you know, the bottom of the league type of team in Missouri but all you had to do is just win and we did it and it was great and it was almost like we won a championship kind of you know it just had that it had that feel where it was just an enormous win. And uh it should be it's really good for the momentum going into Nashville.
1: Do all you guys from the twenty thirteen team stay pretty close? I, I talked to Nick a lot. He keeps up with Murph. He said you keep up with Murph, y'all all kind of stay in touch. I mean, Reggie, who who the hell knows? But like other than that, do y'all <laughs> do y'all do a good job of staying close? to the did, did that kind of year solidify the bond, so to speak, as cheesy as that sounds?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, luckily, you know, you got social media things like Facebook that you can really keep up with people um, a lot easier. And, uh, you know, you see, I, I was talking to Murph the other day because I saw he's been on his world tour over here. He was like, I saw him in South Carolina. And then I see him at the Ole Miss game. He's talking about probably going to Nashville for the SEC tournament. And so I had to hit him up and be like, Hey man, you're just all over everywhere, huh? So uh, that was pretty funny. and uh, But yeah, it's, it's uh, – I've talked to Jarvis some because there was a chance there that we uh, were going to be on the same team this year. It didn't work out that way. But, uh, yeah, so a lot of those guys definitely are still able to keep in touch with, especially because, uh, you know, kind of social media makes that real easily to where you're never really that far. And, uh, you know, even to that, my – the year before I got to Ole Miss, my junior college team that went undefeated and won the national championship – We have a group text with each other. That's the most uh, close team I've ever been a part of, and we still have a group text and we talk like all the time. And it's just so good when you when you win because you forget about you. You have with with my undefeated team. There was we had like fights sometimes in practice because it was so competitive. But you forget about all the bad things. And then you just remember how awesome you were (laughs) for the rest of your life. And so uh, it's pretty cool when that happens. So I'm just really, you know, blessed to be able to play on a couple of teams that had really good teammates, you know, guys, you didn't have just assholes, (laughs) you know, on the team. And that's what is one of the things that makes a good team. And so, uh, yeah, it's cool to keep uh, in touch with guys that are good people and winners.
1: Your star had already started rising significantly mm-hmm. through that SEC slate. I mean, the Auburn game with the jersey pop and the Florida game when you're antagonizing all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But it crescendoed in the NCAA tournament because you became a national story, a national brand. And everyone Mm -hmm. knows that the NCAA tournament is a reward, but it felt like that was a platform for you to take what had become Marshall Mania to another level. Did you sense that? Did you feel that, especially after y'all beat Wisconsin in the first round? Was that, in your opinion, really the peak moment for you where all the work had come into focus in one place to where everybody knew your name, that you could feel the significance
3: of what you'd done? Mm -hmm. I mean, you you see it every year with – you know, like last year in Loyola Chicago, just a team, no one, I mean, you know, real basketball fans that really watch, you know, all around the country, know, these people and know what they're capable of and, but the NCAA tournament is just so magical how people can just like with Loyola Chicago, every person, every person in the entire like world was cheering for them every single game, except for the team they were playing, you know? And so people get, uh, you get attached to people, um, like I'm watching this game right now with uh, it's Hofstra and they got a guy named Justin Wright Foreman who's averaging 26 points a game and he's like second in the nation in scoring and I'm just hoping they win their conference tournament so bad because you want a guy like that to get into the tournament and then see what he can do kind of like when C.J. McCollum uh, was at Lehigh and was able to just destroy Duke You you hope to see that and so uh, I knew that going into the NCAA tournament. I probably put a little too much pressure on myself. Um, and But, uh, you know, when we played in Kansas City, we had – we played Wisconsin. Uh, the other game, obviously, was Kansas State or LaSalle. But then on the other side of the bracket was like Kansas versus Western Kentucky, who are two great followings, and then Villanova versus North Carolina, two amazing, you know, programs with – followings and everyone's there in kansas city so i'm sitting there like okay you got like some big time basketball history and universities playing here and all those people are there watching those games and you know to go out and then be able to go out and interact and see all these people that are there and it was just an amazing scene and uh, it's so cool whenever uh you just get all these people like the, the conference tournament coming up. It's awesome. When you just get people from all the universities in one location for a weekend, uh, it's just, it's just an amazing event. And I'm, I really hope for like for, for Tyree, uh, Terrence Davis guys that have really put in work in, in the program at this, It's such a, it'll be so happy. I'll be happy for them to make the tournament, you know, at least one time in their career, because it's, an unbelievable experience that you just you can't explain it. You just got to be there.
1: How do you compartmentalize it as a player? You you can tend to put too much pressure on yourself because you know that you've made it. You've you've attained this goal that you've worked to for so so long. Like this team has. You had Kermit Davis come in tell Terrence Davis, "This is not a rebuilding job." That wouldn't be fair to you. We're going for the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. When you accomplish it, the NCAA tournament can make players. So as a player, how do you internally? Suppress that, and then go play basketball, and are able to go out there and get your job done.
3: You know, for us, uh, luckily, we went into the tournament extremely hot. We had won like five games in a row. It was going in there, and so it was. It, it made it a little, uh, a little more peace, a little more calm to everything because in most of our like um, most of those games, we were down at half and came back in the second half and won. So we really had a a nice identity of our team going in. And so that's why I was glad that we, you know, won and we were able to go in without, we were able to have really fun after the SEC, a lot of fun after the SEC tournament. We knew we were in for sure. And so that's why I hope the, you know, the Rebs can get a little run going in Nashville because going into the tournament, if you got momentum and you're feeling good about yourself, then you're not going to be worrying about, you know, oh man, I played bad last game or, you know, we haven't been rebounding well, or, you know, these negative thoughts don't really creep in your head if you're, if you're winning. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why I think was able to kind of keep not, not put a lot of pressure. My pressure more so came inward from, I knew it was a big stage and I just wanted to put on the most unbelievable performance of all time. And I think that's kind of like what took me out of my game a little bit. But uh, it was, uh, but once we were down at halftime, we were like, oh, hey, this is right where we want to be. This is how we won the SEC championship. And I think that was one of the things that was really able for me to kind of calm me down, you know, and, and get me back exactly where. We're like, okay, this is – we've been here before. Let's just do what we always do and go get the dub.
1: Bigger accomplishment, beating Florida on that Sunday after that run y'all already made or beating Wisconsin in the first round?
3: Definitely the, the Florida one because um, they were just so good in conference play. And, uh, you know, winning the SEC championship means a lot more than winning just one game in the NCAA tournament. And uh, that's why I like conference championship week a little better than the NCAA tournament week because I always got to remember that we lost at the buzzer (laughs) and uh, you know it's it's amazing how long that stuff uh, you know sticks Um, because just last week we had the the state championships here in uh, for Texas and uh, there's this like rival school of my school made it down there and they lost at the buzzer on a three-pointer and I was like those poor guys have no idea how that is gonna just bother them for the rest of their lives. And so I'm just thankful that, you know, we won the SEC, so that way I can kind of forget that we lost at the buzzer. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, hey, at least we won a championship still that year. Um, And so that kind of, you know, a little bandage over the wound.
1: (laughs) Derek Millenhouse missing the shot or Reggie not getting the block against LaSalle? Which one eats at you the most?
3: Oh, definitely somehow how Reggie doesn't block that shot. Like, That was, he was like the best. He uh, He blocks that shot in his sleep. Yeah. I mean, like, how? How does that happen? The one thing that you know you can rely on, (laughs) you know, and he jumped so high and his arm was all the way out there. And it's like, it's like a glitch in a computer game, like where the ball just goes right through the guy's wrist. Like, how? How does that happen? And of course, it rolls around and it ends and. No, that's what people are always like. Well, how was your tournament experience? I was like, we had played two games and we got the most tournament. We were the upset and then we got upset. I was like, so we got to experience it all in just that one weekend of how it was the thrill of being the underdog and taking out, you know, the big dog. And then flip side of that, you know, just blowing a chance at the Sweet 16 to the the lower the lower seated team at the buzzer, you know the the March Madness that everyone loves. You know it's it's not cool when it happens to you <laughs> when when the buzzer when the buzzer uh, shot goes in on your team. It doesn't feel quite the same.
1: <laughs> Is the Vanderbilt shot still among the most ridiculous shots you've ever hit?
3: Yeah, I would say so, for sure. I uh, I mean I've hit a few buzzer beater game winners in my day, but for that one I didn't. Because, like I said, I never really knew anything about Ole Miss before I came. And so that was, I guess, I know it was really early in the conference play. But for us, to, that was kind of like the Missouri game. It's like, yeah, dang it. We, we were on a roll, and now we're playing a team who's going to break their stadium record and make threes, you know, in, in one single game. Of course it's going to happen. Oh, they just hit a three. Murphy jumps like 30 feet in the air, and somehow this dude drains a three with five seconds left, of course, of course it's going to happen to the Rebels, and, you know, when I made that shot and then we were able to just, we kept that momentum into overtime, it was like one of those just getting over the hump games, Um, and as I've been more affiliated with Ole Miss, I realized how meaningful those just getting through it and getting those win games are because it is hard, at Ole Miss to get some wins.
1: <laughs> How did y'all lose at State that
3: year? I I was like three for eighteen from threes. <laughs> it's uh normally I'm not to say that like anything about anything uh, or have this meaning anyway, but normally when the team that I'm on loses, it's because I had a horrendous shooting night. <laughs> so uh, I that game was just terrible because it it just It was the – you could feel it after the game, obviously. Our team was down. It was a dark ride home, bus ride home. And then, like, I was just – I felt going to class. I'm like, I want to go to class. Like, people are going to be looking at me like you're a freaking loser, you know. (laughs) And so – but that was what made our team great was the resilience to come back after that. Um, I think we had, like, sold out every game. Um, and so after that game and then nobody, nobody shows up for the senior night of, I, mean, I shouldn't say nobody, there was still some people came, but like, you know, senior night of Reggie and Nick and Murph, three of the most successful guys in the program. And we have this great year, we lose the state and it's like, all of a sudden everything's dead. We're dead. Kennedy's getting fired. You know, all this stuff starts, you know, reality kind of, uh, sets in. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. We got to. And that sense of urgency, and we could have just fallen over and, uh, you know, just accepted it how it was going to be. But uh, it was funny. The next day, uh, Coach Kennedy, or the next practice, Kennedy brings us in, and he's like, we're not practicing today. Y'all are going to go play baseball. And so we wound up playing a whistle ball game in the in the practice facility. That was our practice after the loss of Mississippi State. And that was cool because it was just a team-building kind of experience, and everyone's having fun and loose. And uh, then we got back to work and went on to win those games and take it all the way to the tournament.
1: Y'all won six straight games after that. It's just funny when you look at it. Y'all won eight of your last ten games, the two losses, LaSalle in the tournament and at Mississippi State. It's the most bizarre final ledger that you could possibly have. But even after that game, y'all are twenty-one and 8 and 10-6 and six in the league. That resume now, with the new net rankings and everything – Slam dunk, you're in a hundred percent. And yet, y'all had to yeah. go to the SEC That's tournament. What
3: I'm, I'm seeing teams like Alabama and Oklahoma and Texas this year that have like 14 losses, and I'm, and they're like, oh, they're just, they should be in. I'm like, what the heck? They're barely 500. How? And what world is that even reasonable to put into the NCAA tournament? You know, and and yeah, it, but that, another thing with the the Mississippi State. What sucks about being in in the SEC is that, and that year that, yeah, Mississippi State was bad, but they're our in state rival. So it's like, of course, the one team that you should beat just happens to be your rival. So it's going to be like the biggest game of the year. And of course, they played like it and beat us. And then pretty much throughout that uh, with the SEC, there's just, whenever a team's having a down year and you think, oh, this should be the time that we can beat them. No, like some, something miraculous happens. And because there's just so many, you know, rivalries in, in, in the conflict that it, it, may, it does make it tough whether a team is, uh, you know, bad considered by their wins and losses or who they beat or whatever like that, you know, analytical with it. It's like, well, it's still the SEC. These dudes can still ball. You know, I mean, scout team guys can beat can beat the the, the first team in, in practice on any given day. So uh, you just hate to see it. You know, when it's your when it's your rival.
1: What advice would you give Ole Miss this Ole Miss basketball team going into the SEC and NCAA tournaments?
3: Just to be have a have a like a killer's mentality of you're going in there and you're going to win. Not being don't get complacent um, with thinking you're going to be in because you know they're playing Alabama Alabama has to win that game so they're going to be coming in ready to do whatever it takes and they got some dogs that big dude Dante Hall You don't think he's going to he's looking at all this. he's like oh I should be able to dominate this game in the paint he's going to be coming in you know ready to smack him around and just hope these dudes are ready um and don't think don't take a take a deep breath and say oh you know, uh, we're good. We got 20 wins. We sh- Everyone says we're in the tournament. Like, no, this is all Miss. If, if they have a reason to keep us out, they're going to keep us out. And uh, plus, you just want, you want that momentum going into the tournament of, of winning. And even if they do lose um, at any point in the tournament, to not be like, okay, you know, then you get your focus back because you're going to have to play again next week in the tournament. And don't take... If they did lose, don't take it too serious because it's not a big deal. If you're in the tournament, you're in the tournament. It's a clean slate. It's a new season. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I could say.
1: What is Coach Marshall Henderson going to look like?
3: (laughs) Coach Marshall Henderson would have absolute goons. (laughs) My team would be the most high flying, energetic team. Um, Actually, funny, Coach Kennedy just texted me right now. <laughs> and he said, Fletcher McGee is your clone. So I guess this, <laughs> for Wofford, <laughs> Woff, the, the best player for Wofford, um, I guess they're playing right now. You know, that's another team. I, You know, they're, uh, they should be able to get in. But, yeah, you know, I like my dad was a coach. Um, and so I've always kind of had that coach in me. And as I've <laughs> – it's funny, like every – where I've played even in, in professional, I've always been kind of like the go-to guy and I never was on a team to where I could be like the sixth or seventh man. Cause I've always respected those dudes. because that's, that's what makes a successful team. And so now, um, if possibly getting into coaching, uh, you know, I, I've always thought about, you know, being the coach of like the small school and it's like, they come out of nowhere into the NCAA tournament. They're like, Whoa, where did where did this you know they're gonna investigate me because they're gonna think I'm cheating so like how did they get this how did this dude get all these hoopers like well it's easy <laughs> all you gotta do is just tell them what's up and you're gonna tell them and you get them to win and uh, yeah so I don't know it's it's always something I've always thought about and it's uh, just kind of interesting that it's kind of at that point where that looks like that could be uh, in the very near future for me.
1: Well, best of luck with it all, and hopefully you get in the big three. The big three is a professional three-on-three basketball league featuring former NBA basketball players. Kenyon Martin's in there, Jermaine O'Neal, Baron Davis, Gilbert Arenas, a lot of guys. It'd be fun, though. It'd be fun for some Marshall Mania in the big three. If they're having to ask about the profile you could bring, just tell them to turn on the tape. Like, turn on Auburn in 2013. Turn on Wisconsin, Ole Miss, in the NCAA tournament and the way in which you're getting every single fan in the arena to react, and boom, big three.
3: Yeah. They put me on like a poster. They were like, we're lowering the age. They put me on like the advertising poster and someone sent it to me. And then I like kind of read the comments on it and all these people were like, Marshall Henderson is born for this. And I was like, I really am. And Playing three on three basketball would be like way less stressful than having to go through like an entire season of practice. (laughs) Like, I mean, I love basketball, but man, practices sometimes you get into the middle of that grind and it's like what am i doing here (laughs) can we just play the games and that's about it so uh yeah they um when i was talking to my agent he was like you know the best part about three on three uh or the big three is that it's just it's no stress a lot of fun and uh you know just when you when you don't have stress and you're just having fun it can make a way better product um, as far as guys guy just being relaxed and whatnot,
1: what's the difference, real difference in three on three compared to five on five.
3: Well, when I was in, when I was out in the middle East, they actually are really huge on three on three. Um, you play, but they would do the three on 3 It'd be like a girl's ball size and it court. And you can only have one American on uh, or one, uh, one imports on the three on three team and it played outside. And, uh, for me, I kind of like the five on five better because of the uh, being able to run and uh, wear people out. On three on three, it's kind of tough to really get open. But you got to jack up a shot. It's like the like a fourteen second shot clock, which plays into my favor. So uh, we did it once. We lost. Um, we lost. It was like in the semifinals, but because uh, it was kind of tough. It was a little windy. Shooting with a girls' ball, one of my t- tougher uh, shooting environments. But uh, it was a lot of fun to do. It's just, you know, you get the rebound when they shoot. You just hope somehow you can get a rebound and get away from a guy and, and get and get open, um, which I'm pr- I've am always been pretty good at is, uh, you know, guys getting a rebound and turning out for the kick-out three. It's a big part of the three-on-three. Three. And so uh, I've always been pretty good at that. And uh, so, yeah, I think it would be – that's probably the biggest difference, though, is being able to go up and down as compared to just – on the halfway and just kick it out, you know, uh, step behind the three-point line to to get the ball in.
1: He's Marshall Henderson. Greg on Twitter wanted me to tell you hello. See, Ole Miss fans still going to worship Marshall Henderson. There you go. Greg says hello to Marshall Uh Henderson. Hello, Greg. Yeah, see, Marshall says hello back. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Let's catch up again.
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go revs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America, touching lives, securing futures. That was Marshall Henderson.
1: This is Talk of Champions. I'm been Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Corey Keys at Corey Keys on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of Champions and iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. And soon, don't know when, but soon, back on Rebel Sports Radio. More details to come on that. All right, for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Okay, Ole Miss in the NCAA tournament. Real quick, what kind of noise can this team make? If it's an eight or a nine, it's going to be matched up with the one. How far can Ole Miss go?
2: They can go as far as those guards let them. Uh, they, they're absolutely capable of making a run. So is any team that gets in. You know, Once you get to 68, they're all good at this point. Um, it, it's all matchup dependent, uh, which is, again, that's a cliche thing to say, but that's how this goes. And, See, what know, would
1: be fascinating for me is if Ole Miss went to Columbia, gets matched up in the 8-9 game with Duke, for example, just right. for the comedy of watching Bruce and Dom, God love them, trying to match up with <laughs> Zion Williamson. That would just be great for me. I,
2: I oh sure, and I mean it, yeah. I mean everybody's gonna watch that game. Ole Miss would have more eyeballs on that game than they've had in any game. Uh, so yeah, it'd be it'd be incredible. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely think they can make a run. Again, they are to me they are such a streaky offensive team. When they're going, when they're clicking, and their offense has been their bread and butter all year. They've improved defensively. It's waned a little bit the past couple weeks, but they've been so good offensively. I think they can score against anybody in the country. The question is going to be if they can get consistent enough stops. Um, If they can do that, man, sure, they've absolutely got a chance to make a run. Ole Miss in its last, I think, four
1: of its last five outside of Missouri, the second half shooting percentages for its opponents are really bad. I think Mm -hmm. Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina shot at least 56% from the floor in the second half. Changed against Missouri, outscored Missouri. But Ole Miss did flip the script of the we are Ole Miss moment and didn't lose to Missouri, so right. And I think what gives you the most confidence about this team getting back to the Sweet Sixteen, which would match the greatest accomplishment Ole Miss has ever had in basketball, getting to the Sweet Sixteen. They played Tennessee like they played Tennessee, like they played Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that moral victories are not a thing in basketball, but Ole Miss going into the year. If I have told you in late February, going into March, that Ole Miss this basketball team was going to play Kentucky eighty to seventy six at home, you would have said what? No way, Hi. Yeah. I
2: no way. I, I, if you would have told me that they were in the conversation for the NCAA tournament, I would have said no way, no yeah. chance. Yeah, that they that they, they could have played Kentucky close at home, I could believe that. Anybody who it was it was Vanderbilt that played Tennessee at home close. Um,
1: Not only are they going to be an NCAA tournament team, they're going to secure that spot before the SEC tournament. No way.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't have believed that for a second. I really wouldn't have. Um, so yeah, I mean they, you are right that by playing a team like Kentucky, a team like Tennessee, um, by, by taking them to the wire, it gives you a chance to say, okay, if you if you bottle up this performance or you bottle up this particular thing, you got a chance. Now the truth is they'd have to get past that first game, whoever that is.
1: Yeah. And that's going to be a tough game. And and depending,
2: depending whatever that matchup is, because you're going to be so near that team and seed that it's probably going to be a coin flip either way. Uh, and so anything could happen in that particular game. And then from there, you get your free shot against a one seed, essentially. Predict Ole Miss's SEC tournament performance. Oh, God. Um, I'll say they get past our, um, Alabama. Okay. I don't think Alabama's playing well. Uh, it looks like Alabama they kind of ended it. They're done. The they are giving miss. up.
1: You know, Alabama feels
2: that way. Right, that's, just, they're done. That's the way it feels. And so based on that, I'll say Ole Miss beats Alabama. I'll say they lose to Kentucky mainly because – Kentucky might get Reed Travis back by then but also you know as well as I do what Nashville is in the SEC tournament or not even Nashville it's the same when the tournament was in Atlanta that's going to be a home game for Kentucky and Ole Miss did have the benefit of playing at home when they played Kentucky last time this will feel like a true road game if they get to that point um, so I'll say they beat Alabama and lose to Kentucky
1: yeah I think I'm coming home on Friday that's what I think yeah. There you go. That's what I think. He's Corey Keys. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben at Corey Keys. I write for the Oma Spirit, OM Spirit dot com. Please subscribe, rate review, talk of champions, and iTunes. Thanks for coming on and guest co-hosting. Now you know that if Ole Miss makes a run in the NCAA tournament, or maybe even just before the NCAA tournament, you're the resident basketball guy now. So you're gonna come back, right? Hey man, you know how to find me. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'm locking it, <laughs> i writing it down, Corey Keys, and so prepare yourself. Right there, man. You know it. Thank you, man. We'll talk again.
0: All right, see ya.